Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. For those families who are new to homeschool this year, we we had right back in uh, I think it was early on in the pandemic, we had sure. some time to chat about homeschooling with one of our favorite homeschool experts, Cheryl Swope, and we thought it would be a good time to catch up and maybe continue that encouragement <laughs> for those families um, who are new to homeschooling this year. So we're going to share that conversation with you here in just a moment. Thank you, Concordia University, Wisconsin, for your support of the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us in studio, Cheryl Swope. She's an educator and author of Simply Classical, A Beautiful Education for Any Child. It's now in its second edition. You can find it at Memoria Press. Cheryl, welcome to the Coffee Hour. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. Thank you. It's good to be here. Always, always great to have you as our guest when it comes to special education and homeschool and classical education. We always love uh, our conversations about that. And I took to heart the the advice you gave us last time on homeschooling. Even though we were we were doing kind of hybrid, we were doing um, we were partnering with our Lutheran school, and uh, my wife was was really doing most of it. But but having conversations about it and about what we want our child to to enjoy or what we want what memories we want him to have from that is particularly good memories <laughs> from the homeschool experience. And uh, so took that to heart, and I think that really did make a difference for us. Wonderful. So you're a homeschool expert, but you were, just like everybody else, at one point you were new to homeschool as well. Why did you choose homeschool for your family? Well, first, I don't consider myself an expert. It's, <laughs> it's just simply for whatever reason, I seem to be the voice of some homeschoolers, and I'm grateful for that. We chose homeschooling because, like many families during COVID are now experiencing, we had come to a crossroads regarding options. In our case, when our children were young, it was not a pandemic, but their own special needs that forced us to take a closer look at home education. Specifically, when my daughter turned three, she had already been diagnosed with autism, ADHD, a language disorder, a developmental coordination disorder. She wore glasses the size of little teaspoons. She received therapies, PT, OT, speech and language, at Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital in St. Louis. And I worked with her every day at home, along with her twin brother. We sang songs, we read books, we worked puzzles, I taught manners, we prayed together. We did all of the therapy exercises that were prescribed for them. She qualified for the public school special education program, but I could not bear to send her. She was just so tiny. She was only three pounds at birth. She was still so tiny and so vulnerable. I sensed that everything we were doing at home would benefit her more than what she might receive elsewhere. That became my standard year after year. If ever a school or a program offered more than I could provide, something more effective, more beautiful, and more faith-enriching, than what I could provide, then I would send them. But until I found such a place, 
I would teach them at home. Mm-hmm. What did you find most useful during during that first year or two in homeschooling? The first year, I think that once we made the decision, I found it most helpful to understand that this was my calling at that time. It gave me the freedom to take it seriously, to eliminate distractions that might otherwise have impeded our our mission and our vision. It also meant ordering our days to be purposeful. We wanted to provide faith instruction, academic instruction, plenty of time to play outside, and time to be with other people. So establishing a predictable routine gave order to our days and a much needed respect for what we had chosen to do. Yeah, you really developed, uh, and I remember having conversations about this in the in the past as well. You really developed just like a a good rhythm, a good um, uh, pattern to your days that that made them. I'm sure there were challenges to them. That not, not <laughs> denying that there are challenges, but that that pattern really was helpful. I think that's what what I heard. Yes, and then the when the challenges came, because of course they did, mm-hmm. then we had something to go back to, something to reorder, to to regroup start over that mm-hmm. fresh start kind of a thing but we had that like a template to go back to then i also found it helpful that first year to connect with other families who had chosen to do what we were doing i learned from them my children formed friendships with those children who were so much like us they prayed at home they sang hymns at home they went to church they had a high regard for academics they read books as a family. They had chosen this road less traveled. Regular time with those families fortified all of us and also lessened any longing for school. When the school bus would go by, I could remind them, remember these other children, I would name them, they're not getting on that bus either. They don't have to because they're learning at home just like we are. It, it helped so much. We were not we were not um, isolated mm-hmm. in that way. And all that commuting time that you saved, nobody had mm-hmm. to commute. <laughs> <laughs> nobody had to ride the, the bus at, you know, for, for 20, 30 minutes. I remember riding the bus for like 40 minutes a day when I was in, in grade school and in middle school. Yeah, we had a, we had a 25, 30-minute ride yeah. to and from high school every day. I suppose you could redeem that time somehow with uh, studying or something like that, but that would work for me. So you mentioned <laughs> these families that you connected with. Tell us more about the people who supported you through your new experience of homeschooling. I think the people who supported me the most were my own parents. My mom loved being included in our trips to the art museum, the History Museum, St. Louis has so much, the St. Louis Zoo, Grant's Farm. She loved that. She got herself one of those T-shirts that said, if grand, if I had known grandchildren were so much fun, I would have had them the first time around. <laughs> <laughs> she, she loved everything that we were doing and supported us so much. My dad, too, he loved how much they were learning. He was surprised at how well they were learning at home. He applauded us. He vocally gave thanks to God for our children who are adopted, for his grandchildren, and for the the ways in which they seem to be thriving with homeschooling. He also, he often told this story that when my kids were about six, they were studying states and capitals. 
they thought it was just a grand game, these colorful cards with the states on them, and then they could recite the, the capitals. So when we went to Grandpa's house, they took this game so Grandpa could play too. <laughs> one by one, Montpelier, Vermont, they raced through the cards. Then came California. Everyone gave an answer. My son, with great compassion, said, No, Grandpa, it's Sacramento, but you can have it. You don't have very many. <laughs> My dad loved that story. <laughs> Not everyone receives the kind of support that we had from my parents, and we didn't either. We didn't receive that fully everywhere. My father-in-law, by contrast, was so opposed, he called me one night, begging me to reconsider. He said he would pay the tuition if only we would send them to the nearby Catholic school. I remember crying after that phone call because I was already second-guessing myself and this made the decision a painful one. Looking back 20 years later, I know now that at that time he was sharing his love and his concern and his generosity more than anything else. And the good news is that we won him over. <laughs> Within the first or second year, I believe that it was this one moment I remember, it was after Thanksgiving dinner, my children recited the preamble for him for Pop, and Pop was very patriotic. He became one of our biggest supporters before too long. He would tell his friends at the country club, these are my grandchildren, they're homeschooled, <laughs> with buttons <laughs> bursting. So it was quite the turnaround. But, but it does take time, and it is hard if you don't have that, if you don't have that support initially. Mm -hmm. What did those relationships mean for the kids? As well, I mean, you tell these stories of of uh, grandparents being involved and and the kids loving to play with them. But what what, what benefit did that did those relationships and that support have with the kids as as in addition to supporting you? Oh, so just immeasurable, and you'll make me cry if I think about it too much because <laughs> they they both are gone now. Pop mm -hmm. um, died a few years ago, and my dad just this year. So those bonds were tremendous because they were forged over decades with my children that my children were so blessed to have such loving caring grandparents my son sort of a side note had developed this love of history through our homeschool so by by the end or nearing the end of my dad's life just the last 5 years or so my son started recording all of the stories that my dad had to tell my dad was a radio announcer. He served in the service. He All of these things in his life. And we really had not heard all of those stories, but now we have all of them because my son Michael recorded them all. They had that kind of relationship where, where Michael wanted to sit at his feet and hear all of Grandpa's stories. Mm. That's awesome. Learning to listen. That's... <laughs> I mean, we don't have classes on listening, uh, but it, it really sounds like Michael really developed a great love for listening and that's how we learn and, and it was because of the love that mm -hmm. was given to him through my dad yes yeah. he right learned to listen and, and respect had so much respect for him 
We're talking about homeschool and hopefully providing some encouragement to those of you who are uh, new to homeschooling this year. We know that uh, we're not even, what, uh, only a few months into the, the school year. We're in October, but sometimes that can be challenging. And we want to share some more encouragement with you as we continue our conversation with Cheryl Swope right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Today we're talking with Cheryl Swope, educator and author of Simply Classical, a beautiful education for any child. It's in its second edition from Memoria Press. We're talking about homeschool, particularly uh, Cheryl's beautiful story of home education for her family and providing that encouragement to you, especially those of you who are new to homeschool this year. Maybe you've been homeschooling for a few years, and this has just been a challenging year. Uh, Whatever your situation may be, I think these are just really helpful stories. Um, Before we went to break, we were talking about the the, the, just the meaningful relationships that developed, uh, whether it was with family or with neighbors, with other families who were homeschooling as well. And we we talked a a little bit about um, routine earlier as well. At what point did you feel like you really had a successful routine? Was there something specific that marked it that you said, okay, this is it. This is what's working for us. I happen to be a person who loves schedules. (laughs) Do you color code them? I do not. Okay. (laughs) There's there's a time factor, (laughs) but I do love them. And I love color coded schedules too. So I would love yours as well. So that part came easily for me in terms of scheduling it. What was harder for me is knowing when enough was enough or when I had scheduled too rigidly without allowing for the fact that these were little human beings in my care. I think that um, when they were babies, we had a playtime, we had a song time, we had a bath time, a story time, a snack time. We, We loved that rhythm and and with both of my children having autism and ADHD and a need for structure that it really was a perfect fit for all of us and my husband didn't mind either coming home to a reasonably orderly home <laughs> homeschooling was really no different than those early years but i think i had i knew that i had really achieved a good routine was when at the end of the day my children were not overwhelmed And I was not exhausted. Mm. That it wasn't that we had packed the maximum amount into the day, but that we had achieved what we had hoped to achieve with some left over. So there was sort of an abundance there that we were still able to refresh at the end of the day and still enjoy each other Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, (laughs) which we learned was really important to do. So (laughs) even today, right after dinner, usually, we play some sort of a game just a card game or a board game or something, just having that little bit of extra space in the in the schedule. Mm-hmm. 
What what makes this, uh, that schedule and rhythm so important for a homeschooling family, especially right now during uh, the pandemic when, when some things, uh, families who are used to homeschooling, they may not have the resources or, or, or places that they normally can go to. What makes that schedule so important? It does let it, uh, let it become something expected. I think that it lessens complaining because it's a lot easier to say it's time for than to say, would you like to? Mm-hmm. Also, for families who have not yet known how to achieve respect from their students, from their children, who are now their students, <laughs> it's an important thing to have something to defer to that's outside of you, in a sense. Well, look at the whiteboard. This is It's 1 o'clock, so we need to do what what we had planned to do rather than getting into an argument. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of a, a safety net or or a guideline. It's similar to a liturgy, if you will, that we're, we're certain then to get in the things that are essential to, to accomplish and to attend to. I think last time we talked, uh, when we talked about scheduling, you know, timing of the, the, the subjects that are more challenging and, and the timing of the, the subjects that are maybe a little bit that come a little more naturally or a little bit easier trying, you know, when to time those, putting the harder ones earlier, that sort of thing. And you mentioned earlier, like the, the, the routine of the day, the schedule of the day and having energy, even when you're done so that when it's really just family time that you're not completely wiped out, your husband comes <laughs> home and you're like, okay, I'm tired. You know, it's not, not totally wiped out, but some people might think of homeschool as, okay, when, when, if our kids went to a public school or a private school, they were there for eight day or eight hours or seven hours or whatever. So we have to do seven or eight hours just like that in homeschool. Is that really the case? Do you always do straight through eight hours of homeschool or did you find flexibility in, in the, the hours that you had throughout the day? Oh, there's great flexibility. I think that most families would say that if they attempted eight hours mm-hmm. of instruction, <laughs> they would they would quit after the first day. <laughs> that's that's not um, it's that's not the typical goal of most homeschoolers. Also, you mentioned the efficiency of of not needing to ride the bus. There's also not needing to stand in line when you're in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. You're, you're just being served lunch. You can accomplish chores during recess. So there are so many ways to be flexible and efficient, both, that there's there's also an effectiveness. There, there, you're not falling through the cracks. So a lot of homeschoolers try to accomplish most everything that's difficult by lunchtime. Then in the afternoons, they save that for art or music or read-alouds or science or history. The the things that require less intensity and less of a sequential learning. If mm-hmm. I could convince my son that chores were recess, that would be a success. <laughs> I'm going to try that. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's how that, that's one of the beautiful things I think of of homeschooling is that there are so many things that you can incorporate into the day that when you when you go to a school building and you learn in that classroom, and that's a great environment. Um, but having that opportunity to be at home and and to incorporate chores, even if they're not fun, um, but incorporating you know museum trips and uh, going out into your back yard and exploring all of these other opportunities um, that are quote unquote school, but kind of not also school because because they're they're all of this experiential learning. 
Right. And even things like singing hymns. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Right. <laughs> so speaking of, of subjects and, and difficult subjects, how do you handle those subjects that aren't your, your forte? <laughs> when I wasn't sure how to handle something, I asked other homeschoolers. The ones that I really admired, the ones I knew were intelligent and really committed to what they were doing. Homeschoolers collaborate well. They share ideas. They share resources. They share their time. Homeschoolers tend to be a very generous group of people. One time, I, I, wanted, I wanted to begin Latin. I was pretty okay through about fourth grade <laughs> teaching every subject, but I really wanted to teach Latin, but I had no background in it. I had no idea at all. So a local homeschooling friend, Kristen, invited me to her house. She spent an hour or so just showing me all the books she used, why she chose them, how she teaches them. And most importantly, she said, you can do this. They're written for people who don't know what they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why I have them, too. That's helpful. (laughs) So... Today, if a family is short on time or expertise, publishers have streaming instruction, they have DVDs, they have a a lot of places have online classes, of course, live online classes, and even webinar tutorials for their resources to learn how to teach them. So the takeaway is you have many options within homeschooling. You oversee everything, but you don't have to teach everything. If there's ever a subject that you feel like you cannot teach, that's okay. There are many places where you can find support for that. There, there are many homeschool organizations and co-ops uh, across the country that I've just encountered in, in my own life. And uh, it seems like the yeah, what you said earlier, that, that homeschool families just know how to coordinate and collaborate. Yeah. So did you find that there were additional benefits beyond the initial reasons that you had for homeschooling that, uh, that really benefited your family? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the, really the best question of all. Homeschooling creates a family culture. Christian homeschooling creates a family culture centered on God's word. In homeschooling, you have to work through everything together. There isn't... Um, I can't wait for Monday when they go to school and I can have some peace and quiet, or I can't wait when this, till the summer's over so then they go back to school and then I can get about my own business or find harmony again. There has to be harmony, peace and quiet, everything through homeschooling. You have to, to work that out. So in the Christian homeschool, that leads to lots of repentance, lots of confession, <laughs> and and lots of forgiveness, really that I would never have expected that forgiveness would be the the most cohesive thing for our family. And I do believe it's because we were with each other and still are every day, all day. Mm. So that's one is the family culture. Do we have time for two? We more? do. We have about two minutes left. Another is read alouds. Our I did not grow up with reading books together as a family, except for when I was little, of course. My, my mother, my grandmother, my dad, they read to us a lot. But once I reached school age, I don't remember that we shared books after that, even though I have wonderful parents and grandparents. But many of our family memories are centered around the books that we shared, these read-alouds. 
any family can do this, of course. It's it's a little easier with a homeschooling family because you're choosing read-alouds as part of your curriculum. But I never imagined how unifying that experience could be. We have memories of reading our books all the way up to Wisconsin. We'd go to visit friends. My brother lives up there. And we would read our read-alouds on the trip mm-hmm. together. And we, we still reference those different books. So, um, And again, any family can do that, just choose to do that in the evenings or on the weekends, share those books together. Okay, and, which book which book, or which series was the the favorite of the Swope family? Oh, we had so many. We really <laughs> did. We, we read Detectives and Togas when we were studying ancient Rome, and that became one of my children's favorites. They giggled through that. My husband's favorite memory is reading through the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy out mm-hmm. loud. And, um, and then my son's favorite is Little Britches, which is a kind of an unknown series, but it's about a boy whose father dies and he needs to become a man. He's 11, but he has to really step up to take care of the family, to to act with integrity and purpose. He actually just reread that. He's 25 now. He just re- <laughs> er, reread that entire series. Well, we, we have lots of them. But the third, the third benefit that I didn't expect was the centrality of church. Because... It becomes the main place you go as a family rather than one of far too many places that you're going during the week. So it created a specialness and kind of a sacredness about the first day of the week that continues even now. So in our home, this gave a focus to our faith instruction. We would sing the hymns that the pastor would give us for the upcoming week. We would read the readings that we're going to be focused on. We would sing the parts of the liturgy. And then when my children were there, and again, they had attention difficulties and processing difficulties, but they were far more engaged and attentive as a result. So many benefits, more than just getting an education, but it really provided a lot of, of as you pointed out, a culture for your family and, and consistency and, and just a patterns that were so helpful as well. Thank you so much, Cheryl, for sharing all this with us today and for the support for the families that are new to homeschooling this year, that are hanging in there this October. Any final thoughts, anything, uh, any encouragement for those families who are new to homeschooling this year that you want to share with them as we wrap up? Three real quick. One, take it seriously. That's your. This is your vocation at this time. When you take it seriously, it's much more easily to convince your children to take it seriously. Number two, embrace the role of teacher with an expectation of respect from your child. Homeschooling, however, like parenting, is an art. Mm-hmm. So share yourself with your child, all your quirks and your personality characteristics and your own strengths, because it's it's human, it's relational. And then last Teach the faith every day, no matter what else you accomplish that day. There's some days you just don't feel like doing homeschooling, and there is no substitute list. (laughs) But if you focus on at least teach those Bible stories, do the memory verses, the, the catechism, sing those hymns, sing that liturgy, at least you know you will have accomplished something. Turn your children to Jesus for peace and hope, help, joy, and strength, for mercy, for forgiveness, 
Jesus says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Our guest today, Cheryl Swope, educator, author of Simply Classical, A Beautiful Education for Any Child, and it's second edition from Memoria Press. Cheryl, thank you so much for being our guest and for these great insights on homeschooling. We really appreciate your time. You are welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Eddie Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.